now shines for all to see. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our God has robbed the grave. 
here is a black SUV. What kind? A black SUV with the engine running out there. Sorry to interrupt, but I got a minute and 30 seconds before we go. A black SUV. Beamer, A and A. Beamer, BMW, black SUV out there with your engine running. <laughs>
shame and we praise your name Lord from the rising sun to the setting same
You can be seated. I am so excited to be with you here in this place given to us by our good God. Is that not true? And so for me, it is such an honor to be serving as one of your pastors. I could pinch myself that I get to be in this moment with you. Because as you know, we have been praying and claiming God's promise to us in Psalm 37, 7 and 9, where God promised, when you are still before me and you wait patiently for me, you will inherit the land when you put your hope in me. Oh, friends, this morning is the fulfillment of that promise. So let's stand and applaud God. He's a good God in gratitude, in gratitude for what he has done. Yeah. He deserves our applause and our hoots and our hollers. And he put us right in the middle of this neighborhood, this community, 
for a reason, because we are surrounded by people that really don't know who Jesus is at all, and we get the chance to build real, authentic relationships with them and watch what the transforming love of Jesus will do in us and through us, even in spite of us. If you're new, we want you to know that it would be our honor to serve you and care for you in any way that we can. And if you would, fill out the Connect card online after worship or scan this QR code. It will take you directly to the card because we, in our heart's desire, is that you feel right at home with us. We also want to care for a family in our midst. Uh, Denise Garcia Martin died one year ago today unexpectedly. And so we want you to know Allison and Megan and David and all of your family members that our hearts are with you. And we know that today is very tender and very hard. And we're thankful for the way Denise loved Jesus and that he's got her wrapped up in his loving arms. This morning, as you navigate all these new spaces, we also want you to know that the bathrooms can be accessed through that exit and through that exit. Not, don't go that way. Um, and you'll be able to find the bathrooms just fine. We'll direct you there. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I mean, we are beside ourselves. We're just so grateful. Grateful that you would give us this place. Grateful that you invited us here. Lord, we didn't get a wild hair and decide to move. You made it clear that you wanted us to go. And thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of everyone gathered here. We said yes to you, and you did not disappoint. Oh, thank you, Lord. And we can't wait to see what is going to happen on the rest of this property as we build and construct everything according to your plans. But, Lord, we also gather our hearts around our precious friends, Allison Walsh and her family, Megan Long and her family, David Martin, spouse of Denise. Love on them, Lord. Bring them through this day with a sense of your loving presence and goodness. Lord, we also pray for Shirley Faircloth and her family in the unexpected death of her brother. Lord, we also continue to pray for Jackie Faircloth, Lord, we just thank you for her life. We thank you that she loves you and trusts you to this day. Oh, Lord, wrap this family up in your goodness. Bring healing and grace to each of them. We also continue to pray for Jamie Atkinson, Hank Floyd, Jim Canali, Jerry Denny, these friends so dear to us, Lord, battling cancer, with you right there with them, healing, renewing, and refreshing their bodies. Lord, we ask for your grace over Lloris Garcia and Lynn Ritchie as they continue to heal, Father. We're so thankful that Lloris is with us online and Lynn is with us here this morning. Lord, we also celebrate the marriage last night of Julian and Taylor Cohn. We thank you that in you, their new marriage is a mission outpost to the world. Oh, Father, we are so grateful. In your loving name we pray with so much gratitude, so much joy, and so much anticipation. Amen. I would now like to introduce Dylan Burns, who's going to come forward and make an announcement about uh, Serve Day with his beautiful wife, Shannon. Thanks, Kathy. 
Hi, we're uh, Dylan and Shannon, and we are part of the Serve Day 2022 planning, uh, planning team. And we're very excited to remind you, everybody, to uh, go ahead and sign up. I'm sure everybody's already signed up with the QR code found on the uh, Save the Dates behind your seats. But if you haven't, do so at your leisure, as well as take it home with you. Don't just leave it here. Bring it to your friends and family who may have not already signed up. Uh, you know, as just a reminder, this is an opportunity for us to serve our community and be the hands and feet of Jesus and in really serving those who are less fortunate than us and you know, give us an opportunity to serve our communities. Um, we are going to be sticking around afterwards if you have any questions. And we are here to, uh, to help you guys you know, sign up again January 9th, Sunday. Oh, and that's right. Thank you, Kathy. We will not be here. Although we love this new property, we will not be here on January 9th. We will be out in the communities. So just a reminder for that as well. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, I just, I was just so excited. I couldn't contain myself. <laughs> I'm just supposed to give an announcement, but I just had to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. So uh, just a reminder about the foster angel tree. You um, probably saw it in the, by the main entrance. If you want to grab a tag and buy a Christmas gift for a little girl or a little boy who's in foster care. Actually, I say little. It's up through teenagers. But this is just an amazing chance for us who we are just so blessed, such a, an abundance among us, and we get to uh, give gifts to these kids who maybe otherwise wouldn't have a Christmas gift this this year. So please grab one of those. The gifts are due on December 12th, so we would love for your help uh, in doing that. And then I also just wanted to remind you, like, as amazing as this is, like, the journey is still just beginning. We have this whole other half of this property that is going to be torn down, a fresh build. I had some people asking me today, like, what will this room be eventually? All of this area is going to be strictly for kids long term. This is going to be their big worship space, their classrooms, and then our new sanctuary is going to be built over there. We're going to have spots for teenagers, a lobby, and so we are still on our knees praying to God as he leads us in this journey. And so just a reminder, at 7.07 a.m. or 7.07 p.m., would you pray? Would you pray that God would continue to lead us and guide us as we do this construction and this mission and just thank him for it. So we're on this journey. We've got a long way to go, but man, this is an exciting start. Thanks. We have the unbelievable privilege this morning of celebrating baptism with one of our families, the Crosby family, this morning. And I want to invite Tony Crosby, grandmother to little Alma Carolyn Crosby. Come on, Alma, and join your grandmother. And I want to welcome all of their friends and family members who are here with us this morning to enjoy and celebrate baptism. Also, online with us is Alma's mom, Megan, and her great-grandmother. So we are so thankful that you would let us share in this moment with you this morning. Little Alma was born one pound, two ounces. So now she's a big girl, and she's so excited to be here. So faith on top of faith on top of faith. One of the things that's central about what God is trying to do is grow a family. And in families, we love each other well, and we pass faith down along with everything else. And so 
that we have them stacked up four or five deep here this morning. We brought with us from downtown this, which is called a font, F-O-N-T. That's Latin for something, I'm sure. And, um, <laughs> but what's beautiful about it is it's a connection. We're reminded that this the train has been rolling for 2,000 years. And so what you and I are doing by, by the symbolism of an ancient piece of equipment here that has in it water from the Jordan River. Baxter Smith ran home, got some water from the Jordan River. The first baptism at the new home of First Presbyterian Church, 3302 Horatio, is water from the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. That's yeah. really cool. So... One, one last thing. Baptism is a symbol. It's also a real thing. Something is happening here. God is present. It's what the word sacrament means, if you're wondering. God is present in what we're doing. And we're attached to the resurrected Jesus when we come up out of this water. Kathy is now going to hand this little covenant person over to the arms of the almighty Jesus. Yeah. Tony and Megan... As you raise Alma, will you promise to teach her about Jesus? Will you teach her stories about him and what it means to serve him and love him? Will you pray for her? Will you pray with her? If so, say, we will with the help of Jesus. We will with the help of Jesus. Yeah. And will all of you representing the church around the world and this First Pres family, will you promise to come around this family with your love and your prayers and also teaching Alma about Jesus? If you will, say, yes, we will. Yes, we will. That was a big yes. Are you ready to be baptized? Okay, come over here. Let's get you over here so everybody can see you. Okay, right here. Ready? Alma Carolyn Crosby. Child of the Covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's so sweet. So sweet. You are just precious. Mwah. Water everywhere. <laughs> every detail of everything you see in this room, from the hand-painted countertop back there, it's stained, to the handcrafted cross behind me, to the whimsical, beautiful children's spaces, to the grounds that were tended to with sweat equity, to even beautiful Bathrooms, it's legit. They're beautiful. Tour the bathrooms today before you leave. I'm not even kidding you. They are beautiful. And all of that is the result of your sacrificial giving back to God with your time, with your talent, and with your financial resources. Look what God has done through you. And so here are five ways that you can continue to give back to God, trusting him to do even more as we build out the rest of this property. I am so thankful for each and every one of you. God bless you. Last week, 
we took a moment to thank the Lord for what he gave us, the gift of rights in our, it's an interim before we get to our interim space, so to speak. And we thanked him for just opening the doors in his perfect timing. And now we are here and we celebrate this moment, but it also poses an opportunity for us. Around, there are neighbors and those that we have not introduced ourselves with, and they may not know the love of Christ. And there's people that you know with, friends, families, neighbors, that have hurts and needs. And like we sang in our first song, the Father's house, it's a safe place, it's a safe haven. And people need to know about this. So I invite you to stand, and I'd like you to bow your heads and think of someone you can stand, yes, you can, yes, please stand. That we'll bow our heads. And I'd like you to th pray over this neighborhood, the people that live here, the people that work around here, that they see, when they, when they see First Prez, that they say, something's going on here. I need, to, I need to find out what's going on, and there's an excitement. So let's, let's take a moment to pray.
soldier to the young and to the older all who hunger all who thirst all the last and all the first all the paupers and the princes all who failed you've been forgiven all who dream and all who suffer all who love and lost another all the chained and all the free all who follow all so much for just this first time we're here in this space and that you meet us right here. Lord, we are grateful for uh, Thanksgiving week coming up and as we are thinking all the things we're thankful for, God, remind us that it's all from you. It's all from your hand. Lord, we are reminded, um, God, that we, every breath, every heartbeat, every step we take, God, it's from you. Lord, we thank you for uh, the chance to worship together. There's joy in the house of the Lord. You can feel it in this place. And God, let us, let us hear from your voice as you speak through fits today. And God, I pray that we remember, as the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of the Lord stands forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Lots of brand new things, and I, like uh, McLean, can hardly contain myself. What I also have to get used to is there's two bright lights hitting me right in the face right now. That's brand new, but we'll get used to it. We are, we're in the middle of this really appropriate concept we've been talking about. It's, been, it's about one another, and this is the image we've been using. Here's what we've been trying to say about one anothering. Been, we've been saying that we should love each other well, and what we've said is we're supposed to be famous for it. It's our specialty as Jesus' family. It's what we do well. Let me give you three words that I want you to get really good at deciding where you fit on them. Vulnerability transparency, authenticity. I'll say them again. Vulnerability, transparency, authenticity. You start majoring. I start majoring on that stuff, and oh, we're going we're gonna to be really good at one another. And that's what we've been asked to do. That's what we've been commanded to do. And we've been living under the umbrella for the last three weeks of this text. It's Jesus speaking. It's in the Gospel of John. It, Gospels are sort of biographies. Chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And this is what Jesus says. Notice in it says there's a commandment here. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know, all people will know that you and I are Jesus followers. How? Because of the way we love each other. If you have love for one another, we're supposed to be famous 
for this. And just as much as I want to keep going in this fantastic text, and I'm going to get back to it, I just got to stop and brag on some people who've been loving you really well by by us being able to get here this morning. This is a sign and a symbol of what's been happening. These people have made this happen. I want you to know something. I've done nothing. Seriously, nothing, zilch, nada, zero. All I've done is flap my jaws. I am not kidding. Ask ask any of the people whose names I'm about to read what I've done. And they're going to say, nothing. He came around and he he managed by walking around. This is what's been happening. In sort of a, in, in between a sprint and a marathon, so many people have loved Jesus well by doing what it takes to get what McLean, McLean just said so clearly. This is sort of the launch pad. We're headed to make all of this a campus where we can have lots of people. I want to be a little church with a lot of people. I want to be a little church. That means we're, we have lots of good relationships, and we on purpose serve in our community and teams, and we on purpose meet together to learn and grow and learn Scripture and share life and do life together in groups. We call them life groups. Let's have a bunch of small churches but a whole lot of people out there, and we're going to have a campus where we can fit more people in. That's what's coming. But these people have made all of this happen, and I may leave some names out, If I do, I'm sorry. It's a bunch of you. It's a mob. And listen to... So if we open those doors back there, you can hear Rachel. That wall right there, by the way, is double, triple soundproof because... No, I'm serious. Because the people that are building this building, I'll just mention two of them. David Lennon and I don't know Shell's last name. Shell is the point person, the company that is the design, build church people. You know what they want? They want us to win in the game of engaging people in the love of Jesus. There's two men sitting back here, Wes and Matt. They're from House Right Media. They're the ones that have made all the sound and light and all that go. They, they come from somewhere else, Kentucky or wherever. They want us to be people that are able to love people well, that we have a way as this building to be, bring people to the table. A, big, a, a lot of people doing intimate stuff together. But those are not all of them. Sandra and Jorge, our custodians, they've been here all week. I mean, I'm just telling you, I've been here all week. Wait. I won't get to say all this cool stuff about Luke 15 if we clap every time. Just let let me get through this. Okay. Mike, whose last name I don't know, Mary Jo, a carpenter, he's been here helping this week. Unbelievable. McLean Murphy's been here. Tony Haroon's been here all week. Tim, Tim had just done a million different things. So t- Tim works for us. This is half of these people you're paying, but Tim works for us, and he's hung all the televisions, fixed all kinds of stuff, put that Baznozzle font up right here this morning, etc. <laughs> Dina, killing herself, literally killing herself. Rachel, Killing herself. Charlie, who you may not even know. Charlie, who takes care of the really little ones. She's been here all. And others. Killing themselves. The band. Killing themselves. To get ready. They practice Wednesday night and Thursday night to be ready. So they're working on Christmas Eve already. (sighs) Where am I? Don't want to lose place. Adam. I call him Ha Adam. Adam, who's standing here helping with music. He's been here all week with a house right. Ha Adam in Hebrew. The Adam. (laughs) Bruce Trice, who is our sound person, he's been here helping. Tanya, who was singing over here, she was here volunteering earlier this week, putting lights up and stuff. 
Bryski, who's over somewhere here with middle school age kids, he's over in the corner over there. He's been here. I mentioned David and Shell. Kathy June Arnum Connor, right here. She's been working on it also. <laughs> now let me come back up here and make sure I don't. Okay, I, Alex Peterson, both on the design team as well as here volunteering this week. Baxter Smith on the design team working this week. Nancy Floto on the design team been here this week. Tom Berry, who I don't see in the room, been here on the design team working. Tyler Hill on the design team. There's a man in here who is painting with the painting crew. He's in here today. Matt, I'm sorry, sir, I forgot your first name, but um, he's here. There's one more person. I don't know who I left out. Did I leave anybody out of the design team? I think I got them all. Oh, I know, I'm coming there. (laughs) So then there's, I don't think anybody is going to complain and feel left out if I just say that Mary Jo Panino is just towered above and beyond. Unbelievable. So her heart for Jesus is all over this place. It's just lots of things, all kinds of artistic things and just work. And she put the lights up on this cross. I caught her in the room the other day, and she was down on the floor, dirty. And there's lights behind here, and she's got this little gadget. Mary Jo, just for fun, change the lights while, you're, while I'm talking. So, Come on, you don't have the gadget? I'm going to go way over Here's what I want to say. Jesus commanded us to love each other. And when we do that, people, they can sniff it. But here's what you and I know about a command. We don't primarily love each other well or or first love each other well because we've been commanded to do so, though of course we have. Here's what happens. We've been enraptured. We've been enraptured by the love of Jesus. And so we can't wait to respond as obedient, loyal, faithful sons and daughters of the Almighty King. That's what's driving Mary Jo's heart and Tanya's heart and Kathy's heart and all of your hearts. When you do what you're doing and when we keep doing what we're doing in order that we can say to people with love, come to the table, come on in. Let's be a little church with a lot of people. We love really well. It's relational. It never lets up. It's the love of Jesus. And notice it goes two ways, of Jesus. Think about this a minute. Jesus is the subject doing the loving, and we're the objects of his love. You follow? Does that make sense? Guess what? Flip it. Once that happens, we're the subject. We do the loving. Love is the verb, and Jesus is the target, the object. We love him back. The love of Jesus works both ways, and it's always God went first. God loved first. God is first. We respond. So we as a family make God famous when we get really good at loving each other well. And I have this great, I have this great stuff that I want us to make sure that we talk about this morning and this, this is stuff about us sometimes having trouble loving each other well. And I want to offer you some thoughts about that. And I want to give you some challenge about that. And it's coming from Jesus, not from me. Sometimes we have trouble loving each other well. Let me, in our world today, whew, really difficult. I'll just throw out a couple of low pieces of low-hanging fruit. We get sideways with each other pretty quickly Remember he said, love them the way I loved you. That's what John 13 says. It's a command. 
we respond because we've been loved. Love the way I loved you. He gave everything for everybody. No one isn't on the list of people whom Jesus loves. Politics. Well, I know how you voted. Huh? That's a tough one. Skin color. I don't like those people. We start backing away. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. My guess is that you're probably looking at somebody with different skin color and going, I don't like them. I mean, it's a big world, and there's a lot of racial hatred. What about faith and religious and theological convictions? Those people do that? So the thing is, is there's an underbelly that we can't seem to get away from. And what we do, I'm going to call it narrative. So narrative, here's how I want to define it. A narrative is a story that connects and explains a set of experiences. And here's what I mean by that. The bat, I, I mean this in a pejorative sense because we're going to critique it. This is a note card. I know who you voted for. I know you like the University of Alabama. <laughs> if you're wondering, I can't tell you who I'm looking at, but his initials are Dylan Floyd. So here's what our brains love narrative because our brains need things to be simplified. So we get two or three data points and we get them down on a card and then we go, well, I I know what that is. And we just don't have time to sort it all out. We're just sort of neuro-programmed to make things quick and fast. And it's okay if we're talking about college football or whatever. But what happens when we start talking about human beings? What happens when we start talking about human beings and we go to our note cards and we reduce people to two or three bullet points on the three-by-five card? Our narrative then becomes a way of reduction. And there's two huge problems that, ha- that take place when we, when we inflict a relationship with a narrative. The first one is this. Narratives allow us to simplify the unsimplifiable. You simply can't reduce a human being to something simple and flat. I try it. Now, you, you wouldn't, most of you wouldn't appreciate what I struggle with, but I struggle with theological problems. They're, they're, I, I hold my views very strongly. I think very carefully about them. I've been thinking and reading and whatever for a long time, and that government, I'm right. <laughs> And really, when I was in my 30s, I thought I had to be right. And me being right meant you were wrong. What kind of pressure did I put on myself? And seriously, I flattened people out and put them over there and keep them in a that box. And I reduced to a pseudo-simple what simply can't be simplified, which is a human being. I'm not saying that I've given up any of my convictions because I haven't. But I don't get the choice to not love somebody. Jesus just loved him. That's what he did. That's one problem with the narrative way of kind of dealing with things. And the second problem is this. Using narratives on people almost always permits the impermissible. And what I mean by that is if I use a narrative on somebody, what I've done is just given myself permission 
to take them off the love one another list. We, we, don't, we don't have that permission. It's not permissible. You know, I'm, I'm okay with sort of scratching somebody off the list, but man, do I resent it when you put me in a box and take me off your list. Nobody likes to be scratched off somebody's list. And so when we, when we use note cards in our relationships and create little simplified, flat, reduced stories about who somebody is and then treat them that way, these two negative things are dangerous. And we become kind of callous. Look at the kinds of things that we end up doing to each other. We disrespect them. We insult them. We may ignore them. We may exclude them, mock, deride, devalue, abandon, neglect, attack, disqualify, slander. I'm guessing there's not a person in the room right now today who isn't both a victim of one of those and a perpetrator. Maybe there's something really right all over you right now, and it's not a somebody, something, it's a somebody. Jesus has an alternative, and aren't we glad to know that? Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. Watch this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and sinners... Right? Those are people that many other people would have the note cards on. You with me? Especially the two that get listed right here. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus is confronting the note card narrative relationship function which is a non-relationship function of Pharisees and teachers of the law. Sometimes you'll see that translated scribes. So I get to teach you a little grammar. You ready? Onomatopoeia. You remember what that means? No, you don't. I know you don't because you all hated English. You'd have loved English if I'd have been your teacher. I'd have taught you how to diagram sentences and you'd have thanked me and you'd have loved it. Onomatopoeia, it means a word means what it sounds like. They muttered. You want to hear the Greek word? Gongudzo. I'm serious. Great verb. They're muttering. That's what's going on here. And Jesus goes, okay, boys. There's no, you don't get to take somebody off the love one another list. And look what he does next. Verses 3 through 6. Jesus told them a parable. That's what Jesus does. He tells parables. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. Yes. Okay, what Jesus is trying to say to the murderers, Kongudzo. When you look at a tax collector 
and a sinner, you see a narrative and you've written them off. But that's not what I see. I know their names. I know their, not names yet, not yet. Can you go back? Yeah, I know their names. I know their stories. It's as if sheep, Q-tip. That's the name of the sheep. Got a little fluffy thing on the top, not real smart. Okay. <laughs> then you got, you got Fluffy over here, and Fluffy walks with a limp because a wolf got a hold of him, and I rescued him. And, and then you got over here, you got over here Chops, and we were going to eat him, but we decided not to. You're going to be okay, buddy. <laughs> Jesus knows their names. He knows their stories. Jesus loves every single one of them. And, and so Jesus is saying to these guys, you don't understand. You've reduced people to a note card, but I know their names. Now names can go up. <laughs> now, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Friends, I want you to know something. The Lord of the universe knows your name. He knows my story. You are on the list of people that Jesus loves. And so are your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students. And we get a chance to love them and each other well. And the aroma of been, having been enraptured in Jesus' love is going to start to show up in our life. Well, well, he tells them that story, but apparently he's not finished. So he goes to another, another concept, and he sells a second parable. And he says this. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Well, of course she does. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. She's so excited. Here is what Jesus is trying to say. This woman, like God, knows your value. She doesn't see a narrative. She sees a number of value. Jesus knows our names, and Jesus knows our number. And here's the number that Jesus wants to place on you. Names, numbers, and what's the number? Latin phrase, imago Dei, image of God. You, no matter who you are, I, no matter what I do, I am made in God's image. What, God, what Jesus is saying to these people is the price that God, the value that God places on the life of any one person is unfathomably high. This is how high it is. A cross high, blood high. So what Jesus is saying to these disgruntled, grumbling, gongudzo dudes is I know their names. I know how much they're valued. So I'm, and I'm calling that this morning a number. But Jesus still isn't finished. There's one more story, the more famous one, the one called the, the, para, the parable of the prodigal son. And you guys have seen that one before. So here we're just going to jump through a couple of verses of it. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property. Give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property up between them. Here's what that means. This son is saying, Dad, 
I wish you were dead. This is catastrophic to this family. So before we see what comes next, here's what happens to the boy. He goes to Vegas. He blows it. The whole thing. You remember? Maybe you don't. If you, if you haven't heard this story before, he, he, there's not a Vegas then, but he goes to Vegas and he blows the whole thing on all the things you can do in Vegas. And then and, and the recovery people are going to understand this. He hit bottom. He comes to his senses, it says, it says he comes to himself, literally in the Greek text. He goes, good night. My father's servants have it better than I am. I'm feeding pigs repugnant to a Jewish person. And my dad's servants have it way better than me. I'm eating pig slop. He comes to his senses, he comes to himself, and he turns and starts heading home. And now what comes next can get kind of poignant here. Look at what happens next. He gets up and starts towards his father. But while he was still a long way off, look at what's happening. His father saw him. His dad is looking for him. His dad wants to be with him again. And he's filled with compassion. And he runs to his son and throws his arm around him and kisses him. Maybe you've been there. So when we do this to people, we don't, we don't know their names or stories. We certainly don't know the number, the value of their life. And here's what we also don't do. We don't give them a second chance. But what Jesus is saying is, I know your story. I know your name. I have valued you high. I'm calling that this morning a number. And I'm giving you a new beginning, a second chance. That's what Jesus is saying to them. I want a second chance for you. Here's how the story ends though. Watch this. My son, the father said, you're always with me. I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I skipped something. The older brother is working, just going about his duty. And the thing is, he's kind of just as lost, except he didn't know it. He's just going through the motions. Because look, he's mad. Dad throws a huge party for the kid who was lost. And now the older brother's watching going, he's, he's muttering. Gongudzo, the big brother is. Everybody's shocked. He's shocked, but he's mad. So he says, the father says to his son when the son is mad, my son, the father said, you are always with me. In other words, as I said earlier, this son has always been enraptured by the love of the father. And everything I have is yours and you already know that. But he was lost. I celebrate with me. Be glad with me. This brother of yours was lost. He was dead. He was far from God. And now he's found. It's a party. Because see, God knows our names, God knows our number, our value, and God is willing to give us new beginnings. That's how God works with us. What Jesus sees when he sees a lost one, he sees this. He sees a candidate for the mind-blowing grace of God. And I want to remind you, you probably were a lost sheep. Maybe you were a lost coin. Maybe you're a lost daughter or son. And you're, you're being encouraged to just step right into this enrapturing love, mind-blowing grace. Here's the truth, friends. You can't outspend God's grace. 
You can't outrun God's grace. I can't outsin God's grace. New beginnings, second chance, third chance. How many chances? However many does it take. You and I do not continue to take people off the love one another list. We don't reduce ourselves to permitting the impermissible. We don't reduce ourselves to simplifying the unsimplifiable. Here's what we do. When we see people the way that Jesus sees people, we treat them the way that Jesus treats them. That's what we want to be. People that do that. That. That's how we've been treated. The challenge this morning, the assignment. Names. Get to know someone's story. Pick somebody like I'm doing, because I told you I got a particular thing that really aggravates me, and sit with them. You got two ears, one mouth. Ask questions and listen. Hear someone's story, someone who you've put on the list and admit it. Or maybe you could do it this way. Maybe you could pre-decide someone's value. Here's what I mean by that. If your value of a human life doesn't make you nervous when you've mistreated somebody, I'll say that again. If your value of human life doesn't make you a little nervous having seen that you mistreated somebody, you've undervalued them. Jesus doesn't undervalue him. He treats people the way he treats them because he sees what he sees. He sees our names. He knows our stories. He knows how we're valued. He's willing and eagerly gives us new beginnings. The third thing you could do is just new beginning. Give somebody a second chance. Who is it? It doesn't mean you trust them. That's different. Not yet. But give them a second chance. So the question really for us is this. Do you want to mutter or do you want to matter? I'm good, so. I'm going to suggest that you use this prayer. I would get your phone out and take a snap of it. It's just me repeating here with this prayer something that we've already said. And I'm going to pray it. And then we're going to, band's going to come up here. You can come up now if you want to, band. You ready to take the prayer? Let's ask God to help us see people the way, Je- way he sees them. Let's ask Jesus to help people see people the way Jesus sees them, and then we'll treat them that way. Let me pray for us. Simple prayer. Gracious God, help me, help us to see others the way that you see them so that we can treat others the way that you treat them. Amen. Friends, let's obey Jesus. Let's matter out there. And let's now stand and sing the outro as we finish this morning in this fantastic new day. Prodigals come home, the helpless find hope. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Prison doors bring wide, the dead come to life. Love is on the move. 
Miracles take place The sinner go find faith Love is breaking through When the Father's in Kathy Connor will happily give you a tour for the bathrooms if you want to go through that door right over there. <laughs>